Our scripture reading for this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verses 1 through 11, English Standard Version. Hear now God's word. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is the word of the Lord. Hallelujah! His word is good. Thank you so much, Paul. Good morning. Welcome. For those of you who don't know, uh, my name is Jonah Brenner, and I have the privilege of serving on staff here at Trinity, uh, hanging out with students. Students, thanks for hanging out in here today. We are glad to have you. So glad to have you guys in here. What you love is what you become. I know that's a bold statement, and it might not be globally true in every setting, but I certainly think it's true that what you attach yourself to, you become more like. Where you put yourself, you take on those qualities. How do I know that? Because I used to live somewhere that wasn't warm year-round, and now I do. And so whenever I go home, what was once a nice, balmy 62, now makes me feel like i got to bring out a winter parka. Why? Because where you abide, you take on those qualities. And it's not just where we live, it's also in what we do. Think about it. When you train for something, 
You do the difficult thing to be better at the thing. Who you associate with, you take on more of those qualities. And what's the truth? The truth is that you become more alike to what you're attached to. Sounds easy enough, right? But there's a problem. Because you and I don't often attach to what we're supposed to, uh, nor what's good. We're really good, at least I'm really good, at attaching to the things that I shouldn't. And then all of the stuff comes in to me in a way that it shouldn't. Stuff gets a hold of me in a way that uh, is not as helpful as I wish it was. Grouchy neighbors make me feel grouchier. Sad friends who are very bitter about something, well, I tend to think about my own bitterness. And yet happy people, good friends, truly good things, beautiful movies, moving orchestras, those things, they get in us. When we fall in love with it, there's something about it that changes who we are. As it gets more in us, it changes more of who we are outside of us. What we're attached to, we become more alike. Why? Why care? Why talk about it? Because I think that's what this passage is talking about it. And I think Jesus has something radical to say. When we are attached to him, we become more like him. But how do we get attached to him? How do we stay attached to him? Well, that's what we're focusing on today. We're focusing on the gardener, the gardener who tends, the gardener who grafts, the gardener who attaches people to the true vine. Because just as a good vintner takes care of the vines in his vineyard, Trimming things, taking things away, grafting things, watering, growing, tilling, making certain that things grow as they're supposed to, that the right things remain attached and the wrong things don't. Just as a good vine dresser does that, God takes care of his people. God takes care of you. God says, I will see to these people and grow them to who they're supposed to be. So we're going to be looking at that this morning, at who God is in his role as the gardener. We're going to be looking at three things. We're going to be looking at the gardener who prunes. We're going to be looking at the gardener who grafts. And we're going to be looking at the gardener's joy and glory. So having a gardener who prunes means he's pruning something. What? That's where we have a true or false question. Are you part of a true or false vine? Jesus says, I am the true vine. And you know what that means? That means there are false things. That means there are false things to attach to. That means there are false hopes, false promises, false things that we can say, ah, once I have that, I'll be okay. Once I hang on to that, I'm fine. I'm safe. And I don't need to worry about anything else. And yet, that's not true unless it's the true vine. Unless we're attached to Jesus and everything that he brings, we are without hope. We need to be attached to the true vine, and that's what God cares about. He is actively working to prune those who do not belong in the vine and pruning those who do. But what does that mean for us? That means one of two things. God is pruning to make certain that there's no dead growth, And he's pruning to make certain that there's more good fruit. What does that mean? It means that there are going to be people who are not actually attached to Jesus. And they think they're there. They're sitting there in close proximity, 
right next to him, but not actually attached to him. They're not actually abiding in who he is. And the father takes those people away. Why? They don't bear fruit. And that's not to say that if you're not bearing fruit in your life, that God rips you out and he takes you away. But it is to say, when you are connected to the true vine, you do bear fruit. You do grow because it's the true vine. It's a true vine that actually grows stuff. It actually makes fruit. It makes fruit, which means that if, if it's not making fruit, it's not attached to the vine. When God is pruning, he's making sure that you are connected to Christ. And he's making sure you're not growing where you're not supposed to. He's making certain that in your branching out, you branch out as one connected to who Jesus is and what he's accomplished. And this is what God is doing. This is what he's tending is he's saying, you people who are connected to my son, I am actively working in your life so that everything that happens is so that you abide in me. Every little dot, every little second of your life is something when you're connected to Christ that God is tending and shaping and forming and making it so that you abide in him more and more and more because that's who he is as a vine dresser. He's someone who prunes and makes certain you don't go to spiritual dead ends so that you don't go and attach yourself to something that will destroy you. And I think this is really hard for us. I know it's really hard for me because it makes me realize there are so many things I'm attached to in a way that I shouldn't be. There are so many things that I say, I'll have this and be okay. And yet that is forsaking who Jesus is as he's offering himself. You are going to, and you have reached dead ends. Students, maybe it's sports. Maybe you didn't make the team that you wanted to. Maybe you don't have the friends that you wanted to. Maybe you're realizing that your career isn't going to make you who you thought you would be. It doesn't build you up with the ego that you thought you had. And you're faced with a painful realization that what you thought would bring comfort only brings pain. Because the more you look at it, the more you say, that didn't do what I wanted it to. The more you attach yourself to it, you realize it's actually destructive. The more you say, this thing will be the foundation of my life and everything that I orient my time, my attention, and my love to, the less that is of Jesus, the more it bends towards destruction. But Jesus has a vine dresser. And God the Father is tending so that you do not grow to things you're not supposed to. What does that look like? What does that look like in your life? It looks like those little moments where you are coming up for air and you realize, actually, that isn't, that isn't the right thing. I don't think that's what I wanted. I don't think that's what God would have wanted for me. I don't think that's what he is bending my attention towards. I think I've made a mistake. It looks like that. It also looks like I'm angry because everything I thought I was going to get from this didn't happen. It looks like God pulling you back and saying, stand here in me, come here in me, abide in me, not this other thing. 
He shows you the disappointment of attaching to something that leads to death and says, let me show you what leads to life because he is a father and a vine dresser that prunes and cuts off things that aren't supposed to be there. But I think we're pretty skeptical of that. At least I know I have been, that, that God prunes like he actually does or, or that he prunes well or that he has skill or the right judgment or that he's pruning the right things in my life. God, why did you take away that job offer? That was going to give me the thing I needed. God, I needed that raise. God, I needed those friends. Why did you not give it to me? Are you a bad vine dresser? No. No. His judgment is right. His care is pure. And his love is bent towards the right thing. Why? Well, because... Let's look at our analogy. Think of a vine. If we could pull this up. The University of Nebraska uh, has done some studies and they had someone come and speak on this. They said, if a vine is left unpruned, the number of grape clusters would be excessive. The grape vine would be unable to ripen the large crop or sustain adequate vegetative growth. The purpose of pruning is to obtain a maximum yield of high-quality grapes and to allow adequate vegetative growth for the following season. Pruning is for a purpose, growing more fruit, better fruit, good fruit. Did you know that you actually have to prune 85 to 90% of a year's vines in order for it to grow properly for the next year? Because a vine cannot grow on a vine from two years old. It has to grow on what was one year prior. Which means every year, if you want to see continued growth, you have to be pruned. Maybe you're wondering, have I been? I feel like maybe I don't have as bad of stuff going on in my life. I promise you, you have. Because God is a faithful vine dresser. And if you were to look back in your life, I'm certain you could see moments that seemed like more than mere coincidences where God was pulling you back from something else to show you more of who he is. But why? What does that mean for us? It means there's no wasted growth. It means that there's no moment in your life where God haphazardly cut something off like a toddler with scissors in a kindergarten class. No, everything he has cut off has been for a purpose to grow you to make you a more beautiful vine, to give you more fruit-bearing ability. Why does he tend you? Why does he prune you? Because he's the God who's grafted you. Which takes us to our second point. This God is not just one who prunes. He's one who grafts. He's one who takes you and brings you in to him. He says, I have to have you. You're going to be a part of me. I'm bringing you in and there's nothing you can do to stop it which takes us to the second half of verse two and three. If we could pull that up. Uh, Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Now you may notice some funny words up there. I promise that I'm not making you look at those letters just because I like to nerd out over Greek stuff. I'm doing it because I think it's important. Why? You'll notice when we look at it in English, it says clean and prune. But when you look at the Greek characters, they, they're really similar. They say katharoi, katharos. It's a play on words. And why do I think that matters? 
because I get anxious at the idea that my abiding in Jesus is dependent on me going and holding on to him as tight as possible, that I only get to abide and remain in him as long as I'm going to him and grabbing. But this isn't saying that. It's saying that the people who are pruned are the people who have been cleaned. This means that it is those who have come to Christ. It means that you're already in him. It means that you're already a part of him. Otherwise, the father wouldn't be pruning you. Why does this matter? Because the kind of pruning that God does is for those that are grafted to him. And if you're experiencing the pruning, if you're experiencing something that makes you say, oh my goodness, I think God is actively doing this in my life. You're united. That's not to say that when bad things happen, because bad things happen to everybody, that you're bound to him. But it is to say, for those who are in him, the pruning that takes place is a pruning that takes place because you're already a part of him. Why care? Because he says, because of this, remain. Because you're a part of me, because I've cleaned you, because you are people who I have brought to me, who I have made part of my vine, I'm cleaning you. They're not separate. It is a kind of love that he has for us as a God who grafts, where it's staying there, not fighting to get onto it, not fighting to get into it. Uh, my grandpa uh, would take us inner tubing growing up. He lives in a, a tiny town with a tiny lake, but he had a little boat, and he would take his grandkids out behind this inner tube. And he was rather unmerciful, we'll say, uh, with us when we were on the inner tube. It was jumping onto that thing and holding on for dear life until you were thrown off. And maybe you had the guts to get back on. Maybe you had the guts and the strength and the grip strength to say, I'm going to ride this sucker as long as I can. I was always horrified because I knew I didn't have the strength to hold on. And I would try and I would very quickly fall off. I didn't have it in me to hold. To say you have to clean yourself to get into Jesus's love is to say that you have to jump onto the inner tube of God's love and hold on. And as soon as your strength runs out, you're no longer in him. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, I've placed you in like the most glorious giant, like hamster ball, the hamster ball of my love. It's not holding on to something it's not, as soon as your grip strength fails, you go flying. It is, no, I have taken you from somewhere else, and I've put you in me. Maybe you don't want to be in a gerbil ball for all your life. I wouldn't either. But we do want to be in, in Jesus. Don't we want more of him? Don't we want to spend time in him? Don't we want to say, yeah, I want to stay there. That's what he's telling us. To abide, to remain Oh my goodness, it's a beautiful thing because it's something where you're staying where he's put you. It's not fight your way onto the vine, but stay where he has placed you. For a person or a thing to remain where they are, it's of someone who does not leave a realm or a sphere. See what I did with the gerbil ball? See, see what I did there? Yeah. That's what that word means. When you see abide, which shows up 10 times in here, that's what it's saying. Stay in what Jesus has done. Stay in what he's accomplished. What's he accomplished? Grafting you into the vine. Saying, I will take you from everything else and bring you to me. That's who this God is. He's a God who grafts. 
He's a God who says, you, come to me. What's the principle at play? You grow into more of what you're connected to, which means when you're connected to Jesus, you grow to look more like Jesus and you grow to bear more fruit because that's what a vine does, right? Vines don't just go hog wild for the sake of nothing. They're not just there to look pretty. They're there to grow to bring fruit and a branch is connected to bring fruit. And we see that what you're connected to, you grow more like. Why do we care about that? Because there's, there's a harsh word for us here when, when we look at five through six. Because those who are not abiding, they're thrown away like a branch that withers. You look like and you become like what you're connected to, which means if you're connected to nothing, you go to nothing. There's a radical disintegration where you slowly devolve to less and less and less. And you wither up and you dry up and you don't have life in you when you're not connected to this vine. You get taken out. You're thrown into a fire and you're consumed. You're dried up. You don't have life. That's the cost of not being a part of this vine. You need to be a part of this vine if you want life. You need to be attached to the living, true vine. It's only then that you can bear fruit. You can't bear fruit whenever you don't remain in Christ. Would you expect a branch that's been cut off from a trunk to grow any peaches? Would you expect a vine that's been cut off and set on the ground to grow any more grapes? You'd expect the grapes to shrivel up. You'd expect things to die. So why do we expect that we're going to see all of this fruit when we don't place ourselves in the Father's love, when we don't stay where he has put us, when we don't do what he said and say, Lord, let me meditate on your word day and night. Let me remain in you. Let your word remain in me. Might I be in you all the days of my life. Well, if you're anything like me, you run around 27 different directions where you're not focusing on God's goodness. And then you're like, why are things so difficult for me? Why are things so hard? Oh yeah, that's right. I'm forsaking the thing that gives me life. Go to him. Be a part of him. Remain in him. Because when you abide in him and you ask, he gives it. I'm not talking about asking for Ferraris. I know it's really tempting. You might want it and maybe he'll give it. But when he's saying, ask and it will be given to you, Who's asking? The vine that's growing more like Jesus. The vine that continues to look like the true vine. Which means that what we ask grows to be what he wants. Our desires begin to change and turn to be desires that fit with God's. And so when we come and we say, God, um, I want something from you. What is it that we want? More of him more of him. The more we're on the vine, the more we want more of him. We need the life that courses through that true vine to have any hope of having life in our own. We need to be a part of the true vine. We need to be grafted. And that is what God is and has been doing. Psalm 88 and following says, you brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and you planted it. You cleared the ground for it. It took deep root 
and filled the land. God and his vine dressing, God and his grafting is not something new. It's not something that just happens with Jesus. It is what he has been doing since mankind has been on earth. God has said, come be a part with me. Come rejoice in my love. Come to me. Paul says in Romans that there was an olive branch broken off that was grafted into the root. And because that root has life, the branch does. That's you and I. This is a God who grafts. But why? Why? Because it's his glory and joy, which takes us to our final point. Connecting and nursing you on the vine so that your deepest desire is more of him, where his watering and tilling, sunning and tending you till you grow results in you saying, my Lord and my God, I want more of you. That gives him glory. It's a love that is a proof that grounds, not approving grounds. It's not where we go and say, because I love you, Lord, because I remain in your love, then I'm your disciple, right? No, he says, this is the proof that you're my disciple, that you love and abide in me, that you ask more of me. And this is what gives me glory. Your request that the highest thing that you want is to be made to look more like Jesus, how does that not honor God? What he's doing where every movement of grafting, every movement of pruning is our best joy to look more like him. That gives him glory. When our hope, when our desire is to say, God, make me look more like you, that certainly gives him glory, a glory rightly recognized. It's not to say that he wasn't glorious already, but it's to say our request to look more like Jesus is a joint recognition of his worthiness of glory. Why is he worthy? Because Jesus Christ is the one who kept the Father's commandments, even to the point of death on a cross. Because Jesus Christ is the one who remained in the Father's plan because of the Father's love to say, I'm going to take you and make you a part of my love. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to do this within you and transform you and do everything I can so that you come to me, so you stay in me, so you hang out. God is doing that because it's his joy, because he loves you. And I, I don't think we think about this often enough. I, I know I don't. God was happy to die on the cross for you. Jesus had his arms nailed open so you could become a part of this vine. He said, I so love them that I'll have the worst of it so they can have the best of me. He grafts you in. Jesus is worthy of glory. He is worthy of love. He is worthy of honor. He is worthy of respect. He is the true vine He grants his spirit in promise that will remain in him until the day we keep his commands too. I think it's really hard to, to acknowledge the reality. Like, I'm going to spend the rest of my life on this earth really struggling to abide in God's love because I run to 27 other things to attach myself to. 
I imagine we're probably all the same way because we're human. And yet what do we have in Jesus by the power of the Spirit is a promise that he is sticking with us and pruning us, tending to us, and taking care of us until we abide in him perfectly, until we stay in him perfectly, until nothing can take us away. I love that. I don't know about you. I think that's awesome. I think it's some great news that my love will be made more true because of the God who tends us, because of the God who takes care of us. That it's not just about tending yourself and having a death grip on a vine, but that it's about about a God whose joy is to love you. His joy is to bring forth fruit. And what's the fruit that he's bringing? 1 John 2.24 says, Let what you have heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. Maybe I'm crazy, but the abide language seems kind of similar here. It's almost like he's trying to get a point across. That you are grafted onto the vine for the fulfillment of the Father's joy to be within you that grafting onto the vine is the most beautiful thing that you could ever ask for, that obeying what God has asked, that staying in his love is the most joyous thing you and I could ever do. Why? Because the thing that gives God glory is the thing that gives us joy. The thing that gives you joy will be going and saying, worthy are you, worthy are you, because you're the true vine because you're the only one in whom I have hope for life, because you're the one who said, I'm going to make you a part of my vine by dying so you can live. This is what God is in the business of doing and what he's been about since the beginning. And he's doing it for you now. All who come to him and abide in him because of what God is doing have an eternal joy that can't be taken away. It won't be taken away. Jesus speaks in order for his love to abide in you. The God of the universe tells you what's going to take place when his joy comes in. He tells you the cost of what happens, the cost it was to him to make it happen. He tells you this. Why? So that his joy might take a root in you. It might grow out of you. It might be beautiful to you. And so that that joy might be complete. That's what God is doing. The God who gardens and takes care of his people. Would you please pray with me? Lord, you've spoken these words to us. You say these words to us and that your joy, so that your joy might be complete in us. It might be a part of us. It might be true and full within us. And the thing that we're recognized by, the thing that transforms us. I pray, Lord, that as we hear these words, as you say in this passage itself, speak these words so that we remain in you, that we have faith in you, that we abide in you, that we don't try and cling onto the vine as tight as possible, but that we abide because you've placed us there that we fall in love with you because of what you've done. 
because you're a God who gardens, a God who tends, a God who prunes, a God who grafts. Be a God who watches over us. Every moment of our lives, Lord, are in your hand. Would you shape them so that instead of being desolate, instead of being alone, instead of being disintegrated and withered up on the ground of life, would you tend us so that we grow into you for joy, for happiness, for love, for peace, and an understanding of who you are? I pray all of this, Lord, that you would put your words on the front of our mind and the swell of our heart, and that you would grant us faith, God, to abide in you. In your word, we trust, and in your name, we pray. Amen.